This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He plays. Oh, he's going to Wesley up the right sideline. Yachty's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome to the Republic of Football Small College Edition. I am Mike Craven, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, joined by our small college expert, Corey Ho. Corey, how are you doing this week? Doing great. I, you know, you've been looking at the calendar each week and and kind of going, man, we're getting along. To It happened to me today. I looked and I went, oh, my God, week nine? Are we really at week nine? Yeah, it, uh, it happens too slow and too fast at the same time. Um, those who have listened to our podcast before have heard this analogy, but I, I, do, I do think it's a lot like an amusement park, right, where – you know, you get very excited. You get there. You wait in line for two hours. The line, the the ride lasts ninety seconds, and you go, "Ah, oh, man, where did that where did that go?" Uh, and then you do it all over again. That's kind of the life of a college football fan. For those of you who are new to the podcast, this is the podcast for the other thirty-five, for lack of a better word, right? We got twelve FBS programs. We got thirty-five sub FBS programs. Uh, we we cover the FBS programs on a different podcast. On this one, we do FCS, Division Two, II, Division Three, JUCO, all the way down. We'll touch on, I think, essentially every single one of those classifications today. We start by reviewing the previous week, so that'll be Week Eight. We'll do a couple games, and then we end by previewing a few games going into to the week. So that'll be Week Nine. Corey, let's start on our review section at the FCS level. SFA improves to 5 and 3 on the season and 2 and 0 in the WAC after a 41 to 38 road win at Southern Utah. It was the third straight game for the Jacks to score exactly 41 points, a 21-yard touchdown run by SFA quarterback Trey Self with 6:14 left in the game, sealed the victory. Wide receiver Xavier Gibson had 10 catches for 256 yards. Yes, 256 yards and two touchdowns. That was 256 of the 290 yard, 98 passing yards by SFA. The win keeps the Jacks on top of the A-Sun WAC power rankings for the third week in a row. Corey, last week we talked about not using Gibson as a decoy, but force-feeding him the ball, getting him the ball 10 times a game. And it looks like uh, maybe Colby Carthel's listening to the podcast over here. They did exactly that, and uh, that offense looked good. Uh, again, you, know, you take away that Sam Houston uh, a game a few weeks ago, and, and they've scored 40-plus five, six weeks in a row. Yeah, this offense is starting to click, and the defense is coming around, too. That makes SFA dangerous, and I, I agree. I think Colby Carthel's listening to the show, so we should get a little kickback from, <laughs> from this advice we're giving him. You know, <laughs> look Over the last three weeks, they have targeted Xavier Gibson, which earlier in the year we talked about how little they were targeting him. 28 times in the last three games they have targeted him. And there's something really impressive I, I noticed about him this year. He has been targeted 56 times. He's had one drop. Wow. That is incredible. He is the most reliable guy you can go to. He is their weapon. They're figuring out how to get him in space out of the slot. He continues to use teams. Can't just double team you in the slot as easily. 
So it looks like they're really starting to figure it out and pick and pick the, their spots and starting to build momentum. And the most important thing is they're winning. Yeah. They beat Abilene by three. It's a win. They beat Tarleton pretty easily. They go on the road to a tough place to play at Southern Utah, which, by the way, they're glad they got out of there because now Southern Utah posted a photo this morning of <laughs> snow. Yeah, right? I saw that. Uh, and, yeah. and SFA responded with, we played you at the right time. You know, they didn't want any part of that. Oh, no, no, no. They didn't want any part of that. So, you know, it, it it's all about winning right now for SFA. They, they're in first in the A-Sun WAC power rankings. If they stay there, they get the automatic bid, and, and they'll stay there if they keep winning. So that's all that matters right now. It doesn't have to be pretty. It, it Just get the job done the Jacks are doing. For those who don't know, the, the rest of the schedule is Utah Tech at home, uh, Central Arkansas at home, and then they finish off November 19th at Abilene Christian. Do you feel like any of those games are, are fear factor games for SFA or – you know, if all things go well, they don't turn the ball over, you know, no big injuries. You know, that, that's looking like a 3-0 and finish to the season. But they've won 13 in a row at home. So you got to figure when they're at home, they have a good chance of winning. In Utah Tech, I don't see them being too much of a challenge. But Central Arkansas, that's a really solid FCS team. And we already know what happened with Abilene Christian. They needed almost a miracle at home to win that one. So, those two games are, are definitely ones they got to stay focused. It has not been um, easy for them at, at times throughout this season. So if they can continue to improve, continue to get the job done, they're finding a way to win. That's going to be the key. I don't see a problem this week, but after that, man, those games are tough. Moving down a level, Angelo State remained perfect and improved to 8-0 and on the season with a 34-7 win over a pretty solid Texas A&M-Kingsville squad. The Rams are 6-0 and in Lone Star Conference play and are beating those opponents by an average score of 35-12. Angelo State outscored Kingsville 27-0 after the first quarter. The, de- the defense held Kingsville to only eight first downs and 39 passing yards. The Rams average 5.3 yards on 44 carries. Corey, we talk about this every week. Who's going to stop Angelo State? Well, nobody in the Lone Star Conference. We'll just <laughs> go ahead and throw that out there. Now, look, the schedule is not easy. It's still a gauntlet in the Lone Star Conference. They still have to bring it, but they proved last week they're on a whole different level, and I thought they were. They are on a from everybody else. Uh, even in Super Region 4, other than Colorado School of Mines right now. You look at this, and I put out a, a, a tweet on halftime, how they'd only given up about 100 and so yards. Sure, Kingsville offense hasn't been lighting it up, but to hold a team to 39 passing yards and 140 yards, that is 2.8 yards per play. You're never, You're not even averaging to get a first down. So that is something that is just, it's incredible. That defense is, and then the running attack. When you get Alfred Greer and Nate Omeyabu in there, they ran for 234 yards, five yards every time they handed off to them. It's, it's a hard, hard team to stop. And then on the, on the, when they have to pass the ball, Zach Bronkhorst can do it. Now he's been throwing a few more picks here lately than they would like to see, but he's, he's, the perfect quarterback for this system. Jeff Gersh has got them rolling. And, you know, the question 
really becomes for Kingsville, but I believe we get into them here in the next segment. So, so we'll hold off on that, but this is all about Angelo right now. The Rams are number two in the country. Yeah. I mean, this time of year is where you start trying to look to see like what the Achilles heel is for a team. You know, is it the passing game? Is it the running game? Is it penalties? Is it turnovers? Is it defense? It feels like, you know, no team is perfect. Every team has, you know, some spots that maybe not be as good as others. But it doesn't feel like there's a clear and obvious poor side of the football for Angelo. There's not a clear way to go beat them. Like, hey, we can turn them over. Hey, they may have too many penalties. Hey, if we can stop the run game, they can't pass it. They do everything pretty well, and that makes them a a hard out once the playoffs start. It does. If they had one weakness, I would say it's field goal kicking right now. It's a little inconsistent. And, you know, against most teams, that might not matter. But when you get in the playoffs, you get down to those one-score games. Having a field goal kicker you can rely on is is a lot of times the difference. And so that's the one area of concern that I have is just consistency and field goal kicking. But when it – look, they blocked a punt. The guy blocked the punt, then he grabbed his own block, and then he returned it for the touchdown the other day. Uh you know, when it comes to special teams, Angelo's still better in that category, but the only weakness I can find at all is on field goal kicking. So sorry to the field goal kicker. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, that's a great point. Cause they haven't played any real close games yet. You know, it hasn't been, you know, where it's going to be one or two special teams plays that decides that. So maybe that's kind of a, we don't know if it's a weakness or not, but we just haven't seen them have to deal with that adversity late in the game. So, you know, they maybe as- minds. That's true. That, early on the in the game year, and minds went to overtime, but in conference, you're right. They, right. they haven't had anyone in the same atmosphere as them in conference. yet. Yeah. Moving on to our last game of week eight. We're going to look back on Austin college won its first football game of the year, 13, 10 with a victory over East Texas Baptist. The Ruse scored on a 16 play 71 yard drive, 71 yard drive to start the game and never really looked back to Austin college. Uh, won this game without a single yard passing, which to my slot T heart really warmed it when I saw that stat line. That was really nice. Two turnovers cost East Texas Baptist in that game. Corey, you know, we talked about this with Texas College a little bit last year or last week. You know, how big is it to kind of get this, you know, off the snide, you know, break the losing streak, kind of show to the locker room and everybody involved with the football team that we're moving in the right direction. If we keep on this path, we're going to win more football games. It's huge for them. And running that slot T, it's offense for them this year. So it's taking time, and it's going to take time. I, You don't expect to see the full benefits from that this year. But next year and the year after, you stay with that slot T, you could really have something that causes problems. And that's what they did. They never attempted a pass. Not only did they not complete one, they didn't attempt a pass against East Texas. Big win for the Kangaroos. And I'm you know, it couldn't come at a better time. They need that. They needed to break that long losing streak, get off that schneid. There's problems at ETBU. ETBU should not lose a homecoming game to Austin College. And uh, social media has been a a little bit lit up with some, some problems, some internal strife going on there. They've got a couple of freshman quarterbacks. They're playing over a senior and, it, this team just isn't there now. They've only got seven passing touchdowns on the season. They've got nine interceptions 
that's not a, a formula that's going to work for you. And then they can't run the ball. They're only averaging 2.9 yards per attempt on the ground. This is not an offense. The defense has not been bad. It's just they have they don't have an offense that could do much of anything, and they, they've only put up 21 or more points three times this year. It, it's just it, – it's almost – some people feel like the Tigers are the future, and and maybe they are. But when you've got expectations like you have at East Texas Baptist, it's not always about necessarily playing for the future and getting young guys experience if you've got other guys on the roster that might help you win games now. Because if you don't win now, you might not be around for the benefits of the future. Yeah, to to speak on Austin College for a little bit, I was in 10th grade when Jerry Vance came to Liberty Hill and put in the slot T and completely changed everything. And it took a little while for everybody to buy in because at first you're like, you know, what is this? We're trying to get three, four yards. Y'all are celebrating like, you know, a a three, four yard gain. Like you don't see the results right away because it is such a timing offense. Um, And so getting that win and kind of seeing like proof of concept I think is a really big deal for Austin College, really big deal for for this change of philosophy and this movement going forward. And and like you said, you know, as happy we as happy as we are for Austin College, you also look at you look at the score and you just immediately go to the East Texas Baptist side and wonder what's going on. And strife can be built when one side of the ball is playing really well and the other side isn't. You know, it it's not like basketball or base, you know, you're you're not playing both sides of the of the field. And so you look at the offense and you go, hey, we're carrying our weight go score some points and we're winning these football games. And so, uh, well, yeah. And Strife is also built when you lose and they've lost three <laughs> in a row now. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's another thing that, you know, you start getting out those rumors around there, but uh, one last thing on Austin college, it's not every day you see teams, you know, high-fiving each other because they got a three yard run. Right. <laughs> but, but in that offense, that's what matters. Yeah. Three yards, you're going to end up getting the first down. And is demoralizing on the other side, you know, like I, I remember playing against San Marcos when I was in high school and they were really good at running the slot T and you would stop them for a three or four yard game. You feel pretty good about yourself. And then you'd remember they're right on track. And so it, it can be, <laughs> yeah. it can be demoralizing on the defensive side as well. Let's move into week nine. I know that sounds insane to say that we are already in week nine of the college football season. Where is it going? Uh, but We will start our week nine preview section with the Southland Conference Clash UIW at Texas A&M Commerce on Saturday at 2 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN+. Incarnate Word is on a four-game winning streak and two and one in conference play. Commerce is also on a four-game winning streak, including a victory over a southeastern Louisiana team, Louisiana team that gave UIW its only loss of the year. UIW quarterback Lindsey Scott has 37 passing touchdowns on the year. Lighten it up there for the Cardinals. Corey, can the Lions and Commerce slow down UIW enough to stay in this game and possibly pull the upset? And the secondary question, would that even be considered an upset at this point with how well Commerce has been playing? Can they? Yes. Um, would it be an upset? Yes, it would still be an upset. Look, UIW is about to face the best defense they have faced all year long. The only other defense close to them was southeastern Louisiana, but they still put up 35 points uh, in that game against southeastern Louisiana. Commerce is also against they faced by far this year. And Incarnate Word, the key for them on defense is pass rush. 
And so I've been trying to break this game down in multiple ways because it really is an interesting matchup. You've got Eric Rodriguez um, and, and you know, you mentioned Lindsey Scott Jr. The two quarterbacks are just incredible, really amazing. But that pass rush of UIW, I think that's the difference in this one because when the A&M Commerce relies on big passing plays, they're a vertical pass, kind of like what you see with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's that vertical passing attack with some run game. And so that pass rush getting there, it doesn't provide enough time for those guys to get downfield and get open. And I, I think that might be the difference. We talk about Lindsey Scott Jr. And the dude is insane. Like, you start comparing him to guys like Eric Rodriguez, very good quarterback this year. He's completed 68.5% of his passes. You adjust. Had 10 passes dropped. That's another thing that plays into this week. Commerce has had 10 passes dropped from Eric Rodriguez this year. You adjust his rate for the drops, and he's completing almost 83% of his passes. That's how good Eric Rodriguez has been. 14 touchdowns, only three interceptions. But then you've got Lindsey Scott. My goodness. 31 touchdowns, two interceptions. He has only had, and this is another thing, six drops all year. Of all his pass attempts, he's had 230 attempts. They've only dropped six passes. So his receivers are really, really good, and he gets the ball out quick. Yeah, He's getting the ball out in an average of 2.32 seconds per. That's just incredible. It just seems like and his adjusted percentage of completion is 77%. He's completing 73 those numbers are just insane. You look at, at last week, they played Faulkner. I get it. It's an NAI team, but he completed 12 of 14 for over 300 yards in the first quarter. First quarter. <laughs> so so he's just on another level. I don't know. Commerce has got a good defense. They've got a very solid defense, but they haven't faced a quarterback like this and, and a receiving core like this. Like He's got Taylor Grimes and Derek. You're talking about NFL guys all over the field here. We forget about that because of how great Lindsey Scott Jr. is doing. So it just feels like the UIW offense will put up enough points, and I'm just not sure Commerce can match. Yeah, I mean, just to put some numbers out there, UIW is averaging 51 points a game. You know, their third down conversion rates, 52.08%. Their fourth down, they're 11 for 17 on fourth downs, right? So, I mean, in terms of like, end of possession, end of drive type situations, they're 61 of 96 in terms of keeping the the ball moving on third or fourth down. I mean, it just absolutely incredible. Coach Kenny there, his stock is shooting up, just completely <laughs> rising. Um, you know, I, I get this is kind of a side tangent, but maybe we can talk about this a little bit. You know, UIW lost their head coach, Eric Morris, to the P5 level. He's now the offensive coordinator at Washington State quarterback is uh, is up there as well i think sometimes fan bases get a little hesitant when they start realizing that they're kind of a feeder program for coaches that they're a, they're the diving board right but i would argue that's a good thing if uiw can become the program in this state where you go there as an F fcs coach and you springboard your trajectory of your career forward there and teams keep buying those coaches out from you and you can keep using that money to buy the next hot shot head coach. I think that's exactly where you want to be as UIW. 
but you also have to realize, you know, coach Kenny is going to be there for two, maybe three years. And then he's getting a big time job somewhere. I would argue that that's exactly what UIW wants. Yep. When they went and got Eric Morris, he was that young up and come. Um, you know, he wasn't really known about on Texas Tech staff, but he was known throughout the inside of college football as having a great offense. Well, then he brought, he, he got that program turned around. So then when he left, they could have, if they were worried about the feeder program, they wouldn't have gone and got GJ Kinney. <laughs> you know, they went and got the next guy, almost a perfect match with what Eric Morris was doing. So it feels like you, UIW's embraced being a feeder program. And when you do that, you're going to be successful. You may not keep a coach for very long, but if you keep going and finding those really hot up and coming coaches, you keep winning, you keep making playoffs. And I, I think it's awesome. Look, I'm talking to coach Kenny tomorrow, what he's done this first year. Just, I, I mean, we talk about the offense, the defense is incredible, but he came in with a whole new staff a whole bunch of new players. He had to get the current players to buy in and they had had success. That's not easy to do. The transfers to buy in, they all had a mesh. I'm going to be interested to see how he's done some of that. And I know a lot of that is, is Lindsey Scott jr. And he all, I've heard him talk multiple about his work ethic, but it's not just him. Like I said, man, this, this is a team, but the whole team bought in would love to know i think other coaches would love to know how he got everybody to buy in so fast well he's got instant cred as a former player i think players listen to former players in a way that they don't listen to guys who maybe don't have that those skins on the wall you know especially at quarterback if you're Lindsay scott you're listening to everything gj kenny has to say because gj kenny's been everywhere that you want to go um and so i think that helps a lot but to your point if you keep hiring these hot shot coaches and they keep getting bigger jobs, those hotshot coaches will come look for you. You know, when a job opens up, that agent's going to call you because that's a place we can go and get you that next job. You know, I think it's been great what Incarnate Word is doing. I, the city of San Antonio right now may be home base to college football in the state of Texas. UTSA is on a five-game winning streak and, and look like they're going to win Conference USA again. Trinity is on its way to an undefeated season in the conference championship. And then we're talking about Incarnate Word, who's probably playoff bound and could compete for a conference championship. The mayor's so. loving it. I see his tweets yeah. every week. It's, uh, he, he's got a new jersey every time he goes to a game. Well, because San Antonio can kind of get left behind in the football conversation uh, situation because Houston and Dallas dominate so much at the prep level. You know, UT and A&M dominate so much at the college level that all the metropolitan area, El Paso gets left behind as well. But San Antonio has some really good football from the high school level to the college level. Uh, glad to see them getting a shine. Glad to see the city, you know, cause the Spurs stink. I'm a Spurs fan. The Spurs stink right now. There's nothing else to go watch. Go watch a college football game on the weekend. Well, the, the Spurs did not stink. And then the football stunk back then. So now we've, we've just changed course, but I would say too, it's important. I, I know, I think UTSA has been getting pretty good attendance, but IW and Trinity, you know, they need to start filling these stadiums because yeah. these teams really are, in that national contender conference contender level top of the thing, the best football in the state of Texas right there in San Antonio. Yeah. If you go to any one of those UIW Trinity games, Bombay bicycle clubs right there, you get some of the best chili in town. So, you know, just a uh, good shout out there. Maybe I can reach out to them, get us a sponsorship there. Now that we're talking about Bombay, but now I'm hungry. 
Up or, next. Or when you get down there, maybe you'll get a free meal. Yeah, there you go. Go get some free chili. It's right by the uh it's right by the zoo and a bunch of really cool places over there. So it's a it's a cool part of town. Up uh, everybody just only pays attention to like the river walk and stuff, but over yeah. there by uh, Incarnate Word may be the prettiest part of the city. Oh, I love that. You don't even know there's a football stadium yeah. in there. <laughs> you it's right in the middle of downtown San Antonio. You go and you're like you know, you turn in and you're like, man, where are the athletic facilities? You turn a corner and it's like, here they are. Yeah. They're right here. It's, it's, it's incredible. I love it down there. Yeah. As a UTSA grad, that's where we went to go to parties because we were trying to find ladies with more money. So that's, that's where we were headed down there for. And that worked out well for you. It did not work out at all for me. <laughs> Up next, a D3 battle between Howard Payne and Harden Simmons. This one takes place in Abilene on Saturday at 1 p.m. Harden Simmons' only blemish of the year was a home loss to Mary Harden Baylor. Howard Payne is 6-1 and one with its only defeat coming to George Fox University by three points back in week two. A tough slate coming up for Howard Payne. You know, they play Harden Simmons this week. They got Mary Harden Baylor uh, next week. It feels like a, most win, a must win for both teams in terms of just kind of staying in the playoff hunt and the playoff picture. Corey, uh, do you see uh, – who do you see leaving week nine of this game with a win and, and why? Well, for Harden Simmons, this is your last chance to make any sort of statement to the playoff committee because your next two games after this, they're, you know, they're going to expect you to win. They're going to expect you to win easily. But this one here, you're playing a Howard Payne team that they all they had George Fox on the ropes, and in some ways they feel they should have won that in so they haven't really been the conversation for playoffs yet with them. Harden Simmons has been rolling as they do. They've been rolling since they played Mary Harden Baylor. They they held Sol Ross to 35 points. I know it sounds weird to say they held them to 35, but they did. But they put up 70 on Sol Ross. They put up 68 and just physically and mentally obliterated Southwestern last week. That's the kind of game they're going to need this week they need to make it impressive against Howard Payne and to help Harden Simmons UW Platteville up there knocked off Wisconsin Whitewater who beat UMHB last week so that win looks really good for Harden Simmons now for Howard Payne are you for real that's the question right now you 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 want you're not a top 25 program you feel you should be maybe rightfully so with your record but earn it. You, you've got to earn that that respect from here. And it's winning one of the – you either beat Harden-Simmons or you beat UMHB. That's the only way you get into that conversation. That's the only way you earn that respect. Yeah, how big is that gap between Mary Harden, Harden-Simmons, and then Howard Payne and maybe the rest of everybody? I, I think it's it's been narrowed a lot. I would say – um you know, last year Howard Payton was right there with Mary Harden Baylor on the road at half. They're they're getting there. I don't know. How, we're going to find out this week. It's hard to tell watching Howard Payne to see you know what that that difference is until they go head to head. So I, I would say go expect Harden Simmons to probably be fourteen to twenty one points better. But it would surprise me if Howard Payne is right there and, and finally pull off that win. But that's what they have to do. Like that's the next step for Howard Payne. They've built that program. They've done a great job. But to take that next step, you have to win one of these next two two games. 
to, you know, and then people will see that you're real. Yeah. Well, and Harden Simmons's offense has been struggling. So maybe that's how Howard Payne just stays in this one, keeps it close and, and finds a way to pull the upset in the fourth quarter. Let's go to our last game of our preview of week nine, New Mexico Military Institute at Trinity Valley at 1 p.m. on Saturday. Interesting homecoming choice for the Cardinals, right? Right To have New Mexico Military Institute there. Uh, but it ends up being a big game, so maybe that was the smart decision to get everybody on campus, have, have a big game coming up. New Mexico Military Institute is 7-1 and one on the year with its loan loss coming earlier in October against Tyler Junior College. Trinity Valley beat that Tyler Junior College team. Uh, and a pretty, pretty close one. The Cardinals are on a six-game winning streak after dropping the opener to Snow College. Corey, this is a big one at the JUCO level. I, I, I know you've been high on Trinity Valley the last couple of weeks in the Texas 47. Can they continue to roll? Oh, definitely. You know, that game against Snow, I watched that. Then I thought, eh, well, Trinity just doesn't have much this year. Well, they proved me wrong the last six games they've played because they have got out and just dominated – a lot of people, you know, a one-point win over Tyler, that's a really good Tyler team. Domino beat Blinn, beat Navarro at Navarro's homecoming. Took care of Kilgore at home last week, and that was a really impressive win on the ESPN+. Plus Military Institute, they are they're vulnerable. We've seen that this year. They're, but they're also the reigning national champions for a reason. They know how to win these tough games. That's what Trinity Valley is going to have to prove that they can win these tough games. They have a very good chance here. They run, they're averaging about 155 yards rushing per game. And that's one of the weaknesses of in, of uh, NMMI. They're allowing 173 rushing yards per game. So if Trinity Valley can control the clock, control the game on the ground, you know, that in their defense is what a Trinity Valley defense has been. Uh, you know, it it seems weird. I was looking at this for the Blitz this week. I'm doing a thing on most surprising teams through the first eight weeks. And it's hard. Trinity Valley is a surprising team. They won four or five straight, you know, conference titles there in the mid-2010s. 20, mid but it's been since 2017 since they – so it, it to see them back, these kids don't know what that's like. It, can they do that? That's the big question this week. And then they're at home and um, how much motivation homecoming happens matters for Juco. I don't know if it matters much at all, but hopefully Trinity Valley can uh, mitigate any of that and, and get a win there. Cause it, if they win this one, that sets them up for a national title conversation for now, because you still got the playoffs coming where you got semifinals and finals. I read a uh, interesting homecoming fact. I'm doing some research on TCU uh, Baylor coming up because they're going to tie TCU Baylor rivalry is going to tie Texas Texas A&M as the most played interstate uh, rivalry ever in, in college football in the state at 118 times this year. Wow! And then they're going to pass it next year because A&M and Texas aren't going to uh, start again until 2024. So I've been looking up more on this uh, revivalry thing, and the reason I bring that up is because apparently they had the first homecoming ever. Uh, Baylor versus TCU is where homecoming originated. Missouri tries to claim it. Missouri, Kansas apparently tries to claim it, but the concept of homecoming apparently started at a, a TCU uh, Baylor game in the early 1900s. So that's Did my. They also have moms fact. because Tepper loves those. 
I don't think, I don't know if women were allowed outside back then, much less allowed <laughs> to wear mums, you know, I mean, it's BYU or it's Baylor and TCU. Who knows what, what the rules were in 1909 in terms of what, what was allowed to happen there. So I'm doubting mums. I'm imagining it was more of a male homecoming, uh, you know, kind of a, one of those kind of parties, you know what I mean? I almost said, the, <laughs> I almost said a bad thing there, uh, but uh, yeah, I just found that, I found that pretty interesting, but you're right. Like what is a Juco homecoming? Uh, what does that matter? Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a story for another year. You know, if you're like going no to a Juco to... homecoming every year, I'm not, I, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to knock you because I get it. It's a homecoming and, and look, these Juco's serve a valuable purpose. Oh man. It's they on say the right lives. path. They're invaluable. They really are. But when you think of homecoming, you don't think of Juco. You think more of the four-year type right. schools. So I just don't know that there's a whole lot of of motivation from that and and or that even the crowd might be that much bigger. Who who knows what's going to happen? The crowd yeah, should not, be big because it's a great game. We're not knocking Juco's. We're knocking no. homecoming at Juco's, you know, because Juco's I I have some buddies that their lives were probably saved by the juco level having that option to go play baseball or go play football and then get into a real college it kept them from doing things that were much much worse look at um, cam and, newton yeah exactly you know he he turned his career around there when he got to blend and and that that changed his whole trajectory the juco's are also that's what they're for they do a great job of it I, you know netflix had that last chance you thing a few years ago um it, really every juco is a last chance you in some way in, in some respects for a lot of the players, not all of them, not of all, course. especially with the pandemic. Now the JUCOs are serving another purpose because you've got really good high school players who couldn't get a college scholarship to these JUCOs for a couple of years. And, you know, now they got a chance. Another one, Dane Jens at Navarro. Yeah. He was yeah. a defensive. He went to Lamar. They put him at defensive back. He wanted to be quarterback. He's got to prove that he could be a quarterback at the college level. So now he's at Navarro. These JUCOs are very valuable for life and for, for football players. No doubt. No doubt. We have the Texas 47 published. I published that this morning. So if you're listening to that, uh, go ahead and look at that. That's a tier ranking of all the college football programs in the state, all 47 of them this year. We'll add uh, one more next year when UTRGV joins in the mix. We'll probably add a tier as well for playoff contenders. Going into next year, right now at the national contender level, we have five schools in the state of Texas still in it. TCU at the FBS level, some could argue with me there if they're a legit uh, FBS title contender or not, but they're 7-0, so we're going to give the Horn Frogs that one. Uh, then we have Angelo State up there, obviously. Mary Harden Baylor always up there. Trinity and Trinity Valley. So uh, still a lot to play for. And then if you go down into the conference contender section, you know, there's another five or six, half a dozen uh, FCS and, and below teams there as well. So we're in crunch time at the sub FBS level. Uh, playoffs are coming up. Conference championship, you know, title races are, are heating up. So uh, it is a great time to be paying attention to non FBS football. Uh, Corey, what? Uh, oh, and then another thing that we unveiled this week that's doing really well is the 10 thoughts from the weekend. Every Saturday night or Sunday morning, uh, Corey's going to kind of put a, a mismatched kind of quick hitter. 10 thoughts, 10 things that stood out from him uh, from across the state. That's on the website, and that's done uh, pretty well over the last few days. And so that's something we'll probably um, continue to put up. So, you know, we're kind of uh, in the middle of the grind right now, um, you know, like kind of coming out from the other side. It, it's starting to be, you know, the best time of year. The weather's getting a little bit cooler and uh, big games coming up. 
It, it is. And I'm, I've got, like I said, I'm talking to GJ Kenny tomorrow. I'm going to get some quotes from him for the preview this week for uh, commerce and UIW that will come out on uh, Thursday, either Thursday or Friday morning. So look for that. Um, it, it's really going to be interesting to get from GJ Kenny's perspective for this, you know, when it comes to a preview, you could generically do a couple of teams and, and a couple coaches. I want to focus on one team and kind of just highlight one team. Commerce is a great option to highlight, and, and I, I will get time to highlight them at some point, but, you know, we need to highlight UIW. What they're doing is just fantastic, and and uh, coming into this week in this game, that's going to be a that, – that that's something to look forward to. You mentioned the the 10 thoughts, 10 reflections, 10 topics, whatever you want to call it. It's really kind of cool, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of me just looking at this going, huh, here's what I think, and then, you know, what all that means. And when you've got um, sub-FBS teams, I found out 10 might not be enough. To- yeah. <laughs> you got to you got to combine them. You got to you got to kind of come up with topics and combine into, you know, get a couple schools into a topic. I've run into that with the 411 on the FBS side where I try to sneak in a few things where, you know, I can, you know, it's really six topics, but I can find one where I can talk about three or four teams in well, in one topic. Last week was Texas Wesley and that that surprising loss they took at Louisiana Christian University and then I I didn't have anywhere else to put but Good Lord, Keaton Dudek at Sagu ran for over 300 yards and averaged 9.2 yards per carry. What a game. I, <laughs> they're, they're, and Xavier Gibson, his performance last week, that that deserved, you know, it, that's the thing. There's so many good conference races. We've seen the upsets, which are so great to see this year. It, it's been a really fun season so far. So I hope you enjoy that and, and definitely keep looking for it because it, it's a fun one to do. Yep. And uh, please rate, subscribe, five star, leave us reviews, all this kind of stuff. Tell your friends, you know, if you want more sub FBS uh, coverage, the only way we know that is by getting more and more clicks, right? Like the more people interested in this, the more that we'll do. And so uh, it's kind of up to you guys to spread the word, help us get this out here, uh, help build an audience because we love doing this stuff. These schools need as much uh, attention, if not more uh, than the ones up top, they get it from everywhere else. And so uh, we've enjoyed doing this podcast. We enjoy doing all the stuff during the week. So please uh, spread the word for us and uh, help us out growing this platform. For Mike Craven, for Corey Hogue, for the Republic of Football, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, we will see you next Tuesday on the Small College Edition of Republic of Football.